right. It's the it's the week. It's Wednesday. Welcome back, friend. Hey, Will. I know that this is going to come out early later, but do you remember a movie we saw that we still haven't seen now, but we are going to have seen by the time this has come out? Mm-hmm. You know... <laughs> is it called Master of Gardening? Yes, it's The Master of Gardening by Paul Schrader. <laughs> by Paul Schrader. It seems to be about how you prune tulips, but in a very lonely way. I wish. I'd love to see that. I know what it's about. It's not exact. It doesn't seem to be exactly about that, but no, aren't, think, you, aren't you excited, though? We'll be Paul Schrader is one of our favorites. Paul Schrader is one of our favorites. It's true. We'll Before see. we get to him, thank you to everyone that came to Clueless and Golden 80s. At you oh, yeah. me box. Um, it was great. We got a lot of good feedback. People really dug that one. Um, Stuck around, which was crazy. Almost everyone stayed for both, which is great. So hopefully we see y'all doing that next month as well. I think the weather fucked us and helped us because it, people yeah. were like, I can't wait to go to this. Oh, wait, it's suddenly really cold. I'll stay in. Yeah. But then people came and the ones that were brave enough were like, mm, it's a little too cold. I don't know if I want to go back outside yet. Let's, let's see this French deconstructed musical. And we didn't stick around, unfortunately, to hear your reactions, but uh, I bet oh, we did. I mean, we did stick around. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were. Oh, yeah, I was we there. We always stick around. But we we'll always stick around. You, we'll see you um, next month, hopefully, for both features. That one seems stupidly obvious in its pairing, which it is, but... It also has a lot more to offer than you might think if you stick around for both movies, if you watch The Mask and The Face of Another with us. Absolutely. That one Jim Carrey versus Hiroshi Tashigahara. Showdown of the fucking century. It's going to be a lot of fun, people. So please. <laughs> and both of those are 35 millimeters. So yay. Finally, we were able to promise you something and keep it. So you're going to get those in 35 and then... Uh, the next month, you're going to not get anything too shitty. You'll get a 35 of Can't Hardly Wait and an HD cam. Because that's uh, how hard it is to show this Claire Denis TV movie. And we won't because, you know, people are helping us out. But let's just say it was not easy to track down any way to show this movie at all. So do not miss the very rare opportunity to see Claire Denis TV movie, U.S. Go Home. Yes, we're going to try actually promoing these ahead of time and instead See of rest, yeah, instead of resting on our laurels that, oh, this big thing we're doing for Zemeckis, somehow the other thing we do will just work itself out and we're, we don't need to advertise for it. Yeah, it didn't, but that's okay. <laughs> so now we're getting out ahead of it. So Mubi involved. Mubi is sponsoring this. So clearly someone believes in us. So. Okay. Uh, we'll see you at those screenings. We'll see you there. And now, the yeah, master of gardening. Anyway. Now, back to the tulip farmer. Back to the thing we were so excited that we've already seen slash we're about to see. Yeah. Because uh, Will and I act weirdly. We don't go to many movies together. No, I have a, I have a, I have an issue, but I'm working on it. And so He's afraid gonna... of shooters in the theater because of the Joker. Screen. Yeah. I was supposed to be at the theater in Aurora where the Dark Knight one happened, and then I bailed. Not kidding. We had tickets Are for that. No, I lived in Oh, what? I swear to fucking God. Swear to fucking God, we had tickets to that midnight show at that theater in Aurora, Colorado. And we did not go because we got high instead. Okay, people, this is what I'm talking about. It's much better to do drugs. <laughs> Truly, we can get behind this. Always smoke weed instead of paying to go see a new superhero movie. Absolutely. Stay at home. You can be the elastic man at home yeah. with just the right strain of Kush. Yep. No, that was the that was the old days, too. We were still, we would get like a two grams and it would last us for like a full week and a half because we were just smoking the gravity bomb. Wow. Well, there's a fun little... <laughs> 
uh, detour that we normally take off down a very long, windy road. But that was a nice little pit stop into Will's history. That's that's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, insane. Because I had to text everyone because I didn't know. I woke up the next morning to like panicked phone calls from everyone. Because they knew you were so pumped for the dark night. There, you had been. Will had been going around painting his face, asking people why they were serious, and <laughs> yeah, every time I would go to a grocery store and they would tell me the total, I'd go, "Why so serious?" And then I'd get my ass beat yet again. <laughs> she just repeats it again. She's like, 49, 85. <laughs> oh, well, um, anyway. Anyway, so. so we don't see a lot of movies together, so we're going to go see The Master of Gardening together, and we can't wait. But Because, uh, listen, Paul Schrader's one of those filmmakers. We'll see anything they put out. Yep. I love it all. I'll ride high for Forever Mine. I'll ride high for Light of Day. And I will be the person who, if you will bear with me, I will convince you on the canyons, my dears. Oh, we, we well, you know, yeah, we both love the canyons. Yeah. I think that's a great movie and a very interesting reworking of uh, American Gigolo. But uh, I can't defend Dog Eat Dog. Well, that's... I can't defend Dying of Light. (laughs) I can can make an argument for why they shouldn't be skipped. Now that's better. Yeah. I can make an argument for Light of Day. Yeah, I can for Dog Eat Dog. Okay. Well, I won't bring up. I'll tell you something when we're not on this episode because of the subject of this episode about doggy dog another time. Okay. Well, uh, okay. Um, we're bringing this guy up because listen, we thought he was, we thought Neon or A24, I don't know who's putting Master Gardener out, but whoever is slapped a, a almost literal gag order on him saying, do not go on social media. We're trying to promote this movie. It's trouble. Yeah. You love to pop off. Yep. And let's just say, I don't know how things are going with him. We know he's been in assisted living. We know he's dealt with some recent personal tragedy. Uh, mm-hmm. Life's hard. We get it. Uh, but Mr. Paul is, is popping again. And what will my dear, what did he say? He's unfortunately popping in a way that isn't quite so funny as usual. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, so this is, so um, my buddy, Larry Karaszewski, who is fucking great. One of the nicest people and very talented humans in the industry. He posted on Facebook a picture of the classic drawing used for the um, promotion of the movie, The Warriors. And his post said, screenwriters arriving for the all-member WGA strike meeting at the Shrine tonight. Because um, Larry very, very active in all of the strikes in his lifetime. Um, There's been a lot of this one. So he's very um, vocal about his support um, and his involvement with that kind of stuff. So he posted that people, you know, saying different things on there, whatever. And Paul Schrader, who... Him and Larry are buds, as far as I know, too. But I mean, they were both probably there on the 88 picket lines. Oh, yeah. So Paul Schrader comes on Larry's post and says, Larry, this is my fifth WGA strike. Spare me the melodrama. Writers love to strike. It's a bump. They're no longer unemployed. They are on strike. So that's what Paul said on there. I will say Larry brilliantly... Uh, came back an amazing response instantly also and uh, <laughs> quoted Paul against himself um, with a line from Blue Collar. A masterpiece. Uh, where Larry says, Paul, quote, they pit the lifers against the new boy and the young against the old, the black against the white. Everything they do is to keep us in our place. Um, and so that was his reply. And then the other reply that's relevant is Amy Holden Jones who was the writer and director of um, Slumber Party Massacre. And uh, after not a great uh, run of opportunity and success in the film world, transition to TV, she said, Paul, spoken like a true feature writer, staffs in television work long hours, often seven days a week, 
on the resident. I got a few weeks off at Christmas and two in May. Worked incessantly, often all night for six years. It bore zero relationship to my future career. So. And Paul did not, for once, I maybe his agent called him, but Paul did not respond to Larry, which is very out of character, I will say, because he normally also loves loves the debate. Especially with Larry, but I I think you're right. I think someone got to him and said, "Well, quoting his own words back at him is pretty." Well, maybe Paul is smart enough. Well, he is smart enough. He should be smart enough to have those words put back in his face and be like, "Yeah, oh yeah, I guess I was this person, and maybe I still am, and maybe mm-hmm. I should check myself because I think my old, possibly uh, diseased brain is starting to think of things like." Uh, like I'm starting to think of things when I was a kid and thinking about, you know, people being like outed as communists and not being able to work. But like, dog, we all know that you don't know what you, you do know what you're talking about. And right now you don't know what you're talking about. And that's OK. You know, it's Facebook. You're not hurting anybody by posting anything on Facebook. I mean, yeah, you can not like it, but it does point out what we're going to get into today and how. How people just, you know, we forget things that are pretty recent or should be relative and recent in our minds. But because, yeah, like you said, they've been on many picket lines together and we're still dealing with like the ramifications of things that happened during then. Like, I mean, the biggest the first gigantic one probably with recent was the 1988 one, mm-hmm. which I'm sure they were both a part of. Larry uh, definitely was. Oh, yeah. Uh, There's the 2007-2008 strike. That's the one that I think we still talk about to this day. And then there's this one. But this one's different. And this one is going to be the first of many. It's not going to stop here. And I don't know when this is going to let go. Sometimes it takes 100 days. I mean, it's this could go on. This one will probably go on for quite a while because of what they're up against. So... Paul might not be entirely aware of it, but something Paul likes to do is look something up and then suddenly get interested in it. And maybe, maybe he'll make one more movie because he's already said he kind of wants to give up. Uh, he's got another film coming out potentially with Richard Gere uh, that, about a dying filmmaker that's supposed to be kind of a coda to his career, kind of a follow up to American Gigolo that we didn't get when we were supposed to get uh, Richard Gere in the Walker in 2007. Mm-hmm. So I think like Paul is trying to really put all his eggs in his basket right now. He knows time is nigh and he's got to, he's got to make one last statement. Sorry to be flippant, but I guess he better write it himself if he's going to go off like this. Yeah. It's like, I understand you're having your last little kick here, buddy, but I mean, I, this isn't about shitting on Paul Schrader. It's oh, about, no, 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 no. That, like, no. it's, it's very complicated, uh, but nothing is less complicated than the need for these people to strike. And yeah. uh, it's pretty funny to hear people try to counter it by being like, so yeah, I hope you all, I hope you all know your history because uh, writer strikes brought about the scourge of reality television. And it's like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of, but also those are the kind of people who are fool-ass enough to think that no one writes reality television. Right. And- <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I promise you, yes, there's sparse a lot of times outside of major plot point episodes, but I promise you they have scripts. And they have people working on them. Yes. So, uh, yeah, you can make probably a very good case about how reality television is poisonous and turning us into worse people. And the most addled of us in society believe that it's real. And that's Mm -hmm. how they should conduct themselves. And, yeah, it is disposable television. I have no love for it, but I don't give a shit that other people enjoy it. I only recently do. I found my way in. I know. you. Yeah. But it, it, the point is, is like, there's so many reasons why this is happening. And like, yeah, at that point, I mean, reality television did get ushered in by that. Like cops 
really became a big thing when they didn't have anything to put on TV. Yeah. Uh, so then, you know, you have like, um, I know the Kardashians got their big thing mm-hmm. with the 2007, 2008 strike. But these were all things that were in development. Uh, yeah. Maybe they got quickly put into turnaround, but like they, they were going to happen. It's not like mm-hmm. right, this, this is what brought it on. I mean, no, but, it was like the it was like the 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 last little push it needed. It was coming but, because uh, culture was happening, and then these things really helped it. Absolutely, get a rocket like takeoff. The most fucked responses that I'm seeing are people. Uh, <laughs> I saw some on Twitter by these just loony brained libs being like. I understand that striking is good and you should not cross picket lines, but you have to remember the strikes brought us reality television that brought us the apprentice and Donald Trump. Oh my God. Oh, it's, we're all, this is what we're saying. Like we're That's all so experiencing worm brain right now. Even the best of us, like Paul Schrader, not us. Cause our brains have already been scooped and hollowed out. Yeah. Recently. We started hollow. We've been refilling bitch. We've been refilling, but recently we've been scooped out. So we're a little, uh, we're aware. <laughs> we're heightened because we know what we're too aware. It hurts. Yeah. It, it, feel good to be um, so plugged in. <laughs> it's like taking too much acid and being like, I think I'm learning a little too much about the universe yeah. and how my mind works. Yeah. Our brains feel like our brains and our outlooks right now feel like. We went on a three-day acid trip, except we didn't. We just yes. experienced life really intensely. Exactly. Um, so you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Also, reality television, and the argument being that reality television was brought about by strikes, is so not the thing we should probably be questioning. It's how did all this cheap labor and productions come about in the fucking first place? Yeah. Well, because the people saying like focusing on that highlights exactly how all of this really happens it has nothing to do with however you feel about reality television it's the fact that for the vast majority of this country's fucking history no one cares about the actual problems <laughs> that are happening they really don't because the I'm- fact that you see all of this and your takeaway is like well if there hadn't been a strike donald trump wouldn't have been president good god well, that's just the most absolutely bird-brained of us. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know how. I, I mean, I, I, I get constantly surprised by the world and the way people react. So I don't know how that talking point makes it into these people's quivers because people love to just repeat things off of Twitter all day. I mean, that's weirdly something we are trying to give people to hopefully move away from and just repeat what we say. <laughs> but, but, you know, yeah, I mean, quote, quote us in the press. We like that. It's always actually it has always worked out pretty well for us. So <laughs> please do. Um, but, you know, I mean, these things like, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to talk about the sanctity of like prestige television but it is right after these strikes that these shows that everyone loves to jerk themselves off to like mad men breaking bad i i haven't really seen them so i don't know but i know that these are prestigious things but those all came about after that so just wanted to right off the bat love one of those okay well i wouldn't know but i just want to say that like just to dispel that right off the top because that's just that's intellectualism or it's, it's bird brainness uh, masquerading as intellectualism. Yeah. yeah. So now that we've sat those motherfuckers down, let's get into, let's get into this strike a little bit. It started last Monday. One of the big things that it's been kind of about recently has been streaming rights. Mm-hmm. Studios are now calling that new media. Yep. That's a bleak start. Like, just that they can just call it that the still extremely on point and sharp and funny Stephen Colbert is going to have to go to reruns. But that's okay. Your parents were the only ones watching it. Yeah. He's come a long way from when we all used to watch him. Yeah. Yes, he has. Let's just say I miss strangers with candy. 
era, Stephen wow. Colbert. I missed the Colbert Report. That was those every night was a little, little joyous night of getting to see him. Stuart. Yeah, but one of them stayed the course, and the other one uh, is now at Eyes Wide Shut style parties. So yeah, and just and one other person who, in classic fashion of the secret conservative ass coward that they are, um, Bill Maher is quietly off the air um but of course he's not going to say anything because he's still running so hot after his fun hangout with his buddy elon musk which if you haven't watched that and you need uh any more reason to you know join us on the side of doomsday (laughs) just just watch that and not that not that bill maher was ever anything excellent in my opinion but jesus christ the the journey over these 30 years or whatever it's been from where he started to where that interview ends up is pretty, is pretty tragic. <laughs> You're right. I mean, Bill Maher has always been a tough case, but he has even gotten to a worse place. And well, they tragic. got him too. They got him too. They finally got him. I know it, it is wild to hear that motherfucker talking about like Chicago and being like, I'd like to know why no one's talking about black on black violence. Why do these guys have guns? Well, I understand HBO is not going to get a pay to have people on who are going to explain to you why (laughs) gangs form in these uh, extremely poor, just forgotten about areas. But just remember, Bill, you used to talk about why there was no trauma center on the south side and why gunshot victims have to drive all the way up the fucking uh, lakefront to get to a hospital where they'll just die in the ambulance that they can't afford anyway. Yep. Anyway, we see you. We're hot. We're fucking fired up. Wait, you froze again. Oh, God, you're doing that Conrad Veet thing again. Wait, what? Oh, there you go. Okay. You before you were freezing and doing the uh, man who laughs. Oh, I'm honored. Are you still downloading illegal? Nothing's going on. Okay. (laughs) Also, Russian porn is boring. None of that. Why? Because it's too real for you? Hey, uh, so not too much incest. <laughs> Someone call my mommy. <laughs> Let's pivot away from that to uh <laughs> this uh the strike authorization mandate was for a ninety set it was a ninety-seven point eight five percent. That's pretty cool. Yep. I guess Paul's making up that other 2.15%. Oh, I can't wait because someone, people are fired up. That list is going to be doxxed within the next couple of days, and I can't wait. Oh, absolutely. I mean, people are stepping down from shows right now in solidarity. Like, yep. it, I mean, this is a real, this is a big deal. That's why we were going to make this a paid episode. Now it's like, nah, this is too big. Like, this is literally the whole point of why we have this show is to yeah. talk about shit like this yeah. so um the horrific abuse at the center of hollywood that's been there since the start again i mean they it's hard to be too optimistic because these things have never really worked out that well but uh i i mean this is a big one and this one could really like <sighs> I mean, again, like I said, this is going to be the first of many. So don't think that this is just it here. We promise this is going to continue. So the industry obviously gets disrupted across the board. You know, there's Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie. Everyone's saying, oh, it turns out we're not going to get his Vineland adaptation because of the writer's strike. And I, I don't know why people eat like I get that, like it sucks the things that will get hurt by this, but like we have a lot of movies to watch (laughs) that we've never seen that it's going to be okay. If Paul Thomas Anderson doesn't get to do his new movie just yet. Yeah. It's the classic, it's the classic shit. That's so sad about humanity. (laughs) It really is. I mean, I guess if you complete your, your I got one still there. Oh, yeah, I'm here. Oh, yeah. It is sad. And it's just these things that, like, 
Well, it's like the people, it makes me think of the moment that sucks because it's so true in both the stellar documentary, The Times of Harvey Milk, and in the uh, Hollywood version, Milk, that the, you know, the penultimate scene of the movie when Sean Penn in that wonderfully goofy voice says to everyone at the meeting, let them know they know someone. And it fucking sucks, but it's how humans are and have been. And it's the same with this shit, is that no one fucking cares unless they're like, oh my God, the new PTA is delayed. I guess this does actually matter because now it affects it affects me being able to see that. So And that's good. <laughs> I mean it's good. It's good yeah. that yeah, well, it's just like in that movie. It's good. It's good that that works to get people motivated, but goddamn, does that make me sad about us as a species that the only way to get people to care about people being abused is to make it fiercely personal for i them. agree i mean it, but paul thomas anderson is in support of this he's oh yeah no it's this is out support yeah. tarantino okay the tarantino movie the movie critic thing that's gonna get probably delayed the biggest loss that could actually never i don't know how it'll affect this but uh juror number two mm-hmm. the final clint eastwood movie it hurts You've been listening. You know how much we love that fucking old man. But uh, unfortunately, that's just the that's the reality of it. And and that's good because we need these things to happen because here's the argument you might be having in your head right now. You might be thinking, well, everything I've heard from them up until this point is, well, it's like writers on television being paid work. What do I care? I don't watch that crap anyway. You're right. I hear you on that. I don't agree with you, but I understand like that is dumb shit that no one should support. The fact that you used to walk around the city of Chicago and see, you know, big trucks for a shoot coming. You're like, oh, what's it going to be? What are they shooting? And it's just Chicago med, Chicago fire. And it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just these whole like neighborhoods being shut down for these crappy fucking shows. But like there's a, bigger things at stake here than you might realize so don't get all pissy at us just yet also don't forget while we go on this journey that so many people ended up writing in television because writers are treated so horribly also in movies in hollywood and not that they're treated better in television often worse but it's easier well not easier that's the wrong word but it's possible to get more work quicker when you are in trouble when you switch to television so that you know they got there most of them didn't go there because they were like i've always wanted to write for these television shows they're trying to fucking survive absolutely our person our friend hero we've been talking about uh amy heckerling there's a great example Mm -hmm. like you know, like a lot of women filmmakers who had gigantic hits in the 90s and stuff like that, just they're pushed right aside. Yep. Alison Anders is another Anders. who like had a, a big string of, you know, ranging from very successful to pretty successful movies and works in television and has for a long time and does, you know, these people do great work still, but sometimes or they just do what they can. Yeah. I mean, Robert Town when they're, when they're able to. Right. I mean, Robert Townsend, there's a one of the great satirists gets shuffled off to doing these horrible lifetime things. Mm-hmm. It's just the reality. It's a, yeah. Your favorite artists are not beloved by the industry. And, and most of them truly don't live large. And people I used to I mean, I get it. You know, it's, it's weird because it feels like such a different world. But just, you know, truly most of the artists you probably love don't fucking live large they are also stressed about rent or house payments or whatever the fuck it may be or feeding their kids you know mm-hmm. they're still some of them know yes but the vast majority of people that work in this world do not do well <laughs> absolutely especially the fucking writers so the biggest issue here is that The thing that we thought was a good thing about the globalization of the industry has turned into a bad thing for these writers because they can get 
you can what we talk about with car manufacturers in this country a lot of things that you see in the poli- the political world can just be easily just shifted over to the film world and we're offshoring we're uh we're doing a lot of things that seem like they would be a good thing but and, and you know there's uh there's this uh the woke push to have more diverse writers rooms and stuff well unfortunately a lot of the times those people are not paid enough Mm-hmm. but it's cheap and you have you get to hire those people and then you get two wins for the studios you get to say how an indian woman's writing your show and then you don't have to say that you're not paying them that much mm-hmm. yep. and in some cases this is not across the board personally of people i know in certain positions like that there are also people that don't really need the money and are kind of already within the industry nepo babies whatever you want to call it so there's lots of reasons why these people are paid in a cheap way because it's both things where you get like either you you find someone who is so hungry and truly lives for this shit and will do it even if they're starving or you find someone like you said doesn't need it so they don't fucking care what the paycheck is yeah Exactly. 100%. Look how Netflix took Squid Game. That's Mm -hmm. just offshoring and bringing that in. And even sadder, Netflix now is apparently got David Fincher to make an update of Squid Game. Yep. I'm sorry. We, you know, I don't know if you feel the same, but we lost our void fully and with finality when Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. (laughs) We are not the same on that. I like that movie. I really enjoy that movie. I don't care for mank well mank's not a movie we agree <laughs> okay we agree that mank's not a movie <laughs> dragon tattoo is um absolutely astonishing compared to mank so there's that hey, I, i'm gonna clip that i remember i remember you said that just don't just don't take out the end don't quote me saying <laughs> you're just gonna cut it so it's girl with the dragon tattoo is absolutely astonishing girl with the dragon tattoo is amazing because <laughs> we'll go see the new one together the killer yeah and we can decide if we think he's truly gone or if like a lot of people he just had a little sidestep we'll see he's been sidestepping for a minute i don't we will there will be a david fincher episode coming (laughs) not today so but this side effect is this globalization um i have here it says this article in the guardian it says the international affiliation of writers guilds which started in 1986 as a loose grouping of unions from english-speaking countries now represents guilds whose 50k members span the globe from india to spain to south africa and they are sending a powerful message to their members or rather their members are sending a powerful message through them don't write on guild covered projects don't be a scab Along with the unprecedented solidarity writers are getting from sister unions here in the U.S. and Canada, already many Teamsters are parking their trucks, taking their keys, and refusing to cross the picket lines. So, if the conglomerates thought they could replace them with cheaper non-union writers from distant shores, they've got another thing coming. Well, that's very good to think about, but uh, as we know, things like this, maybe a movie like Blue Collar, time wears people down and time wears movements down and if you think that that is inevitable then you're part of the problem these strikes are supposed to be hard (laughs) they're supposed to result in the loss of like uh health of uh of of sound mind because that's just how it is and I, i mean we're not France, so we don't get it as well as they do over here. But uh well, people in this country like to think of protesting as you go out for one afternoon, you take a couple cute pictures with your friends, let everyone know you were there, and then everyone goes to a fucking party and gets drunk. And I'm not even trying to shit on everybody necessarily for that. It's a countrywide thing. It is a society-wide thing. But that's not what protests are and it's not that 
that doesn't do anything obviously um protesting is fuck like real deal protests are dirty and painful and you know it yeah. really like to actually do it is a, a very large sometimes dangerous commitment you know it's fucking real shit it's not cute it's not for social media it's real shit that these people are fighting for their goddamn livelihood yep yep i mean this writer who wrote this op-ed piece james seamus he also he also writes wait the professor i know that name i didn't that's james Sham- that dude taught at columbia seamus like he made a couple movies too sorry keep going <laughs> well uh he says our last strike back in 2007 caused more than three billion of economic damage in los angeles alone this strike could be even more costly. We didn't want this strike. It's already causing genuine suffering to many of our union members and to many support staff and other workers who livelihoods, li- whose livelihoods are being immediately affected. But that suffering is nothing compared to the pain and degradation that the conglomerates have openly proclaimed they plan to inflict on us. Our collective action is the only thing that can stop. Uh, so the, the conglomerates he's talking about, that's six studios. Although if you're counting, it's really just four. But they're uh, they're all together on this. And they are convincing people like James Gunn to turn his Superman script early so they can start that up. Uh, a, a lot of this is coming from Warner Brothers by uh, – what's I always forget his name – David Zaslav, Zaslav, who he's already out there talking about his earnings Mm -hmm. for Warner Brother Discovery. And he's out there talking about the Flash movie. It's going to change superhero movies. So Zaslav with his hour long earnings call with Wall Street analyst Friday uh, basically didn't mention the WGA strike. And he told, so he told the, this fucking place, the squawk box on CNBC, uh, in a, uh, prior to the call, he says, uh, a love for the business and a love for working. We all came into this business together because we love storytelling and work. And that love of work is going to bring us together. Ooh, it's also no accident now in retrospect um that there was a really out of place awkward warner brothers montage during the oscars Mm, yes which also as we nerdily pointed out and how much our partners were annoyed that it was also 90 percent made up of studios they had acquired and not actually movies that warner brothers made all of that is relevant (laughs) very relevant and it's very much a show of uh who's got the purse satchel Mm -hmm. um so the goddamn the co-host that douchebag andrew ross sorkin Ooh. some guy named yeah i hate that little fucking twerp um <clears throat> so they suggested that the studios might be glad the guild is on strike because they will able to cut costs um which zaslov of course had to say we're not glad about that <laughs> wink his pants fall down as he says it. <laughs> Nose goes into a little perverted hole. Like Zemeckis says Pinocchio. So he said he's eager for a resolution of the strike, which threatens to halt Hollywood's momentum uh, after COVID. He says, uh, in order to create great storytelling, we need great writers. We need the whole industry to work together. He says, everybody deserves to be paid fairly. Uh, he says a proper a proper resolution would be done in a way that makes the writers feel they are valued, which they are, and compensated fairly. And then off we go. Well, there's some fancy words. Because this also sounds like maybe our president, right around COVID, saying, talk about, you know, the need. For, well, I guess when he was trying to become president, but the need for... Healthcare after a pandemic, universal healthcare, mm-hmm. and like you know, and then it's like that all just kind of went away, and then it was just kind of like it's our love of work that will get us back out into the world. Yep. So let's. It's check. almost like Hollywood often mirrors politics. 
Mm. Mm. It's almost like these industries are pretty intertwined. No, there's no way. There's no way they hang out. If Mark Scorsese <laughs> lives long enough, he'll have his final trilogy part of the Goodfellas Casino trilogy where he shows how the mafia is now not just involved with politics, but also involved in the movie industry. Please. Yeah. And then I hope he cuts all the footage he shot for the abandoned Clinton documentary that Hillary and Slick Willie shut down while he was making it because it was too honest. Maybe he can cut that in like uh, in the closing credits. Yeah. I just think this is also no, those tapes were probably like in Epstein's pocket when he killed himself. Whoa. That's what they did. <laughs> That's what the FBI, when they went in and removed everything, were like, yeah, there was nothing there. And there's all those. What it was actually, he actually was hanging himself with the negatives of Scorsese's abandoned Clinton doc that, and Hillary tied that knot for sure. Yeah. That was in the bags that the, uh, still one of the funniest. All right. I don't want to get off on a tangent there, but still one of the funniest things with the Epstein thing was that guy who was like his, uh, um, he was basically like his lawyer. What's the word I'm looking for? Like right of attorney. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, right after his death, uh, you know, no one was allowed to go into his house except one guy. Mm. And then photos were taken of him emerging with a, a bag, a couple bags full of stuff looking around nervously while he waits for a car to pick him up. It was just candle holders. He, he's like, I finally get that Tupperware back. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Tupperware and one piece of China that he stole that he really liked. So as what well, we guess what we're saying here is that everything's corrupt. And if you think the Zaslov guy is out there like truly trying to be supportive, you gotta remember that his studio is failing. The fact that they've had to rebrand to Warner Discovery Plus, they've had to change HBO Max to just the Max. It's just fucking weird. And He's got to really make this next Flash movie be like the biggest success in Hollywood history. Yep. And that's why every day there's a new like, oh, man, the Flash movie is going to be like the best movie ever. Wait, you mean those aren't just people feeling that way? And He's going so fast in this movie. He's going faster than in the other ones. No, that's impossible. (laughs) Listen, it's a fucking sick world because I'll probably see it because of Michael Keaton's involvement as Batman again. Because will it deliver the nostalgia that I want? No, because nostalgia is evil and a trap. But nostalgia is cocaine. It's great for the first couple and it quickly turns dark. Yep. Don't trust it. Don't trust it. It will always betray you in the end, every goddamn time. Yep. That's why the. Just like Mercury in retrograde, you'll wake up next to someone. I'm like, how the fuck did I get here? And you know why? Nostalgia. Not Mercury <laughs> retrograde. It was because nostalgia. Nostalgia is always in retrograde. So <laughs> you have to keep that in mind. That's a good name for our first book. Nostalgia and retrograde. <laughs> yeah. So Zavlov, he's in retrograde. Uh, he's, you know. I, I basically uh what's the guy uh bob bakish bakish the paramount ceo has been pretty heavily scrutinized after he offered his take on the situation which is why zaslov who was also called out uh by the guy who does adam ruins everything for some reason yeah. so apparently that's why zaslov is trying to be a little more careful with his words mm. um let's see I'm going to just read the end of this article because these are things I don't know about, but probably better from someone at Deadline to explain them. Uh, (laughs) This person at Deadline says, earnings calls are not required under SEC rules. And so this is what I'm talking about. The studio is talking about their earnings right ahead of a writer's strike, which is very well-timed. It says, but generally are part of a public company's quarterly efforts to be transparent. Management can often shape the tone of the discussion by pre-selecting which analysts are chosen during the Q&A portion of the call, which is followed by already prepared remarks. So whether or not the company urged analysts to avoid the strike topic, the absence of it was noteworthy, though it is also possible that analysts steered away from it after seeing Zaslav address it on CNNBC prior to the call. So in addition to paramount 
WWE and AMC. Wait, WWE? That's got to be something else. Is, is Worldwide Entertainment still around? Maybe. Oh, wait, is when the WWE wasn't that a wrestling organization? Yeah, yeah, no, that definitely is. It's got to not be the same thing. Whatever, I don't know. So <laughs> wait, so we all slept while Vince McMahon fucking pulled it off again. That's what. Okay. Yeah, no, this is the WWE is again a billion dollar over a billion dollar company, and it's a yeah global integrated media now is officially listed including to film american football various other business ventures holy shit so vince mcmahon pulled it off again somehow and is actually like a global media conglomerate holy shit <laughs> okay didn't it's just it's proof that vince mcmahon is indeed a cockroach yeah he is yes he is a he's more than oh, just man. funny meme people holy shit so, that's why it's all it's all y'all's fault for that goddamn meme that's what did it <laughs> this is why the internet has to die before hollywood uh so anyway they both fielded questions about the wga this week during their earnings calls disney fox endeavor and amc networks are among the companies with earnings calls scheduled later so the paramount guy said during his earnings call on thursday says that while he believes writers are essential, the company has many levers to pull. Hmm. What could those levers be? And a lot in the can to make it through the strike. They bought all the Weinstein stuff. They have the most, almost the whole catalog now at Paramount. Yeah. A lot in the can means they have a lot of shit in their toilet. (laughs) Yeah. And it's called Shakespeare in Love. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. They have a lot of things. Many, le- yeah, they're pulling on. They're pulling on their levers. Uh, they they can pull on their levers throughout this strike, and uh, it basically have had an immediate pushback from writers. So the uh, the former president of the WGA, David Goodman, and he's co chair of the negotiating committee, said that Bakish sounds pretty scared based on those comments. Well, they are scared, and this brings us to where we are now. What are they scared about and what could be coming? What are people trying to go against here? Well, streaming, we said, is one. And mm-hmm. how streaming revenues get, you know, dispersed. So the last couple of years, writers really got fucked because the world changed. The Great Reset. And, <laughs> and you know, things things were morphed into these uh into a way that you can call this stuff new media now so you don't have to be compensated for it now this is all very interesting that these studios have also said that they're going back to theaters and pretending they never said that they're going to have streaming services so now that's the case writers realize that we want some of that streaming revenue but what happens if they don't have us back could we be in danger totally of losing our jobs well Let's take it back to the beginning. Paul Schrader, he's back on Facebook. He has a follow-up. There are the studios right now, as you would have heard hinted on our Locked episode, which we'll unlock at some point. There's a new game in town, a new tech. And you've been reading about it. That's right. It's AI. Artificial. And you've all, and you've all been downloading the apps and having a great time. Yeah. An AI app robot can can take in 5,000 to something like 50,000 hours of television in an instant. These things, because television is basically already algorithmic, something we've been talking about since the beginning, it's, it's really happening now. And they're going to try, if the writer's continue to demand oh i don't know just fairness <laughs> and compensation these studios will start unleashing some of these i don't know how they'll come off i don't know if audiences are smart enough to realize when something with blood pumping through their veins writes it but it's hard to tell anymore because the shit that has that doesn't seem very human mm-hmm. so it's That's been the perfect lead up. Like, obviously, this technology doesn't just come out of nowhere. I don't think it's any fucking accident 
that everyone's money has been pumped into IP that is largely exactly the same every time, except for maybe a technical flourish from whichever fucking director you convinced to stop making real movies came in to do this. It's no accident that they've been getting dumber and fucking dumber. Even like, you know, I'm not a huge fan, but we look at the start of the new Marvel and new Marvel or whatever with like fucking Iron Man and the difference between Iron Man and something like Captain Marvel is pretty wild. And then the fact that they're they're all just getting dumber and more and more the same. It's no accident because their buds were like, we are getting close. We are getting close with this technology. So start dumbing them down. Start making them expect less, like you said, actual humanity, actual blood pumping through the heart. And then by the time they unleash, maybe they already have, you know, we don't fucking know. Truly. The writing credits on those, like on these Marvel movies. Come on. Like, <laughs> Oh, I mean, I, I mean, we already don't know who directs most of their like forty percent of their movies. Yeah. Also, to be like, only it's a quick aside, I promise, because we've tread this ground enough. But, and I know it's literally not because these boys are just that dumb. But to me, something like Everything Everywhere All at Once couldn't feel more like a machine that took in a bunch of fucking movies and then spit back out nonsense. With really no heart, except for something tacked on to convince you that it is heart, right? Like that movie. And again, I do think those boys are just that stupid, but, but there's a model like, that already feels like an AI movie. So now you just replicate that. And obviously it worked. Absolutely. And who has bigger imposter syndrome than the Daniels than a robot? <laughs> oh, we just got to get that punk jacket for the, for the AI room. Mm, this is I mean, I know we did. I don't remember how long ago we did this, but I know we talked about how Marvel poaches filmmakers. They like there was a a leak by someone who was a filmmaker on their movies. It was maybe possibly Ryan Coogler. It could have been Nia DaCosta. I don't know, but someone let out how things actually go down there. One, we know how their VXX depart VFX departments yes. are treated. They ain't going to be striking anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know how Lucretia Martel has said how they don't let people direct the action scenes. They have a special team that handles the action scenes. Uh, we also know that based off this anonymous post that was written that they like poaching filmmakers. Well, I think it was actually from someone who was working for them on a studio level, executive level and left, but they said that they look they like to look for actors who are uh, directors that mostly have hits at Sundance because usually those films aren't that they don't have like that much of an authorial stamp like they don't really they lack a lot of presence of a filmmaker but they they can tell a story mostly competently they keep things on a low budget and then when marvel hits them up it's fucking payday for them. They can't be happier. And obviously they suck it up and take the paycheck. But we keep seeing that these shitty lifeless uh, dry husk movies on the indie circuit, which has been taken over by the studios, has now been a testing ground for these kinds of bland, um, easy to ride over filmmakers. So. We've been prepped. I don't know if this was the grand plan all along. Probably not. It's just the way the world works out. But you don't think these studios aren't looking at the crop of shit they've put out and been like, we could do that better and cheaper. The fucking Doctor Strange 2 or whatever, that had something like over 40 or 30 rewrites, complete rewrites of its script. What do you expect them to do, these fucking leviathans of industry? That's what they're going to do. It's cheaper. And they can make them faster. They can pump out a hundred of these because yeah. all they need are the AI to generate scripts based off IP, books, public domain IP, and then it's over. That's all Hollywood has really been from the get-go. The only reason original stories got made was because of the star power system, which we don't really have anymore. Mm-mm. So IP is the new star system. And you can do all that with computers. So as I brought up, Paul Schrader probably smartly comes back with a a better response to where Mm -hmm. he says, 
The WGA position on AI is a fascinating conundrum. The Guild doesn't fear AI as much as it fears not getting paid. Burrow into the logic. It's apparent that AI will become a force in film entertainment. Do you need a new episode of CSI Vegas? Chap Chad GPT will deliver that in a matter of seconds. And it will be good because it will cull all the episodes of CSI for the last 20 years and come up with something both generic and contemporary. Writers will be the first users of AI, not studios. Here's my AI-enhanced episode of your stories, which I swear I wrote myself. This, I think, is the WGA position. If a WGA member employs AI, he or, should be, he or she should be paid as a writer. If a producer uses AI to create a script, they must find a WGA writer to pay. Now, that's interesting because it's showing that Paul has a very different opinion than a lot of people on this. I don't know how much I agree with that, but I I probably do more than I would like to think. But I think uh, he's not wrong in that. They, well, he's wrong in that, of course, they fear AI. Of course, they fucking fear AI. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that could be what these negotiations turned into, mm-hmm. is writers that get compensated for using this software, which is, I don't know if that's somehow worse, I guess. I think I, it is because it's, it, because it has built into it, um, like forfeiture like you're you know like not that it would be any easier to just fight this fight and say no 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 this is for us humans let's get this organized and then try to push it off as long as you can because if it's this then it's done like it because if the if the actual fucking guild says sure you can use ai you just pay someone yeah, it's done already, and that's so much darker. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they'll, they'll get compensated, but I don't think it'll be like my thing is that the studios will come back with like, all right, because of this, we are going to start using AI. If you want to get paid for it and do less work, then that's good for mm-hmm. you, and yeah. they'll get paid, but they will get probably get paid lower than they're getting paid now. And yep. now we're going to have to; these writers are going to have to fight out of this little box to basically fight how they want to lose the best. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know that shit comes with an NDA, right? Like, cause they don't, they obviously don't want these people saying, Oh, I didn't actually, I didn't write that. I, yeah. I told them they could use the 17 drafts I wrote and spit it out of a computer. I mean, no, do you not think that maybe some of these people um, uh, who are out there picketing might be a little afraid of, uh, speaking out against AI. Mm-hmm. I mean, we might not call it. <laughs> you could see some people being uh, blacklisted by yeah. studios for. Oh, absolutely. And again, like just, just like with all, it's how it's always been. If we have access to any shred of this technology already, which we do, right? These stupid little apps, the chat stuff. If we are allowed to play with that, and that means it's already done for what the people actually running things are playing with, right? And we, as always, we get one tiny fraction of what the technology is actually capable of. And so it's already, I mean, it worked. Do you think that the government is going to give a shit about this either? <laughs> well, they're already, they're already doing it. It's not. Yeah. yeah. It's just like. We just had stories come out about how we're finding out that there's child labor going on in like certain yeah, McDonald's. Yeah, and then like the White House is not looking into it. They're like, no, no. That article is crazy too because they of course sensationalize. And the the big thing that they use for the headline is that the the manager had their kids there because it was late and made them work. Right. Yeah. Then in the rest of the article, there's like the one million other uh, <laughs> abuse things that were happening to workers there. Um, of many different ages and yeah it's already that's already tomorrow's news yeah because this these people do know something that we also know that maybe you know but others don't know is that this all just gets wiped away with the next day's news we have entered a disturbingly new era where 
these things can just be kind of wiped away with a new story about, uh, so I don't know, um, Emerald Fennel wore a very wild outfit to the Met Gala or something. Yeah. And like while she was wearing it said, I think it's awesome that Marilyn Monroe's dress is to be worn. How many of us forgot old AOC at the Met Gala wearing the Eat the Rich shirt by a guy who doesn't pay his taxes? So this is a win for the studios. Just yeah. remember that. Will you uh you sit there and you watch Adam Driver become Mr. Fantastic? Just remember who you don't give a shit about. Uh <laughs> that's not the writers for TV that you don't like. You have to take everyone. That's yep. the writers for the films you love. That's the writers for the films and shows you don't like. This will all start with television first. Television will be the testing ground for a lot of this AI shit. Yep. Movies have a bigger price tag. But as movies become more like television, because again, this isn't this is not Stryker's fault. This is because this industry has been cheapened for fucking decades by these ghouls. Mm -hmm. Cheaper and cheaper production models. Movies now have to have the speed and um, the small price tags of television. We don't have romantic, we don't have American comedies anymore. Horror films now have to sit on a very lofty post to get like any recognition. The two lowest forms of film, horror and film. I mean, low, you know, I, I we don't agree with that. But horror you know, comedy, yeah. You know, they don't exist really anymore. Even action films for that much. I mean, it's they're Not only really. survived because of John Wick. Yep. You know, we're a long way from 2002 when we would still trying to bring in people like Corey Yoon to like help make a movie like The Transporter keep certain ideas of like mm -hmm. action alive. So all I'm saying is this has just been going on for a while and we're reaching a, a point where things are <laughs> really going to take a turn for the worse. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what's going to happen at the next strike. Probably a lot of the same shit, but this technology is too num, 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 enticing for these fat fucking piggies who sit atop these studios. So this isn't something that's just going to be discussed and worked out. So I don't know what that means. I guess that means support anyone, you know, who's, who's picketing, uh, pay attention to this shit and don't, don't let these studios pull the shit on you. Probably what it means is sorry, you might have to skip seeing that Star Wars movie. You mm -hmm. might, even me, who wants to see this fucking Michael Keaton back as Batman, I might steal that. Because, <laughs> like, at some, the, the sad, the scary part about all of this, to wrap this up, is that we are responsible as consumers mm -hmm. of this. It's all, we all, we all did this. And you can, still, this. you can still see Renfield but you should steal it. <laughs> and in case someone's listening that we don't want listening, parody. If you're a listener of ours, you know what that means. It's a joke. So it's all, let's put it this way. This whole thing's a big joke. And if you Except don't. Except for the stuff we're obviously very serious about. So <laughs> fucking pay attention. Hey, on one side, these studios are laughing their asses off. This is very funny to them. Mm -hmm. watching everyone just squirm and realize that they control everything so think of them as john hurt in contact since all of you were there they're all john hurt flying around in that fucking plane high enough in the stratosphere except <laughs> they're not dying of cancer they want uh and they won't let you use the second space station yep to investigate a wormhole or did did he really let her use anything or was she just asleep in the plane the whole fucking time, like all of us have been, to allow all this to happen? Thank God it's not exactly a Zemeckis world where it could be one way or the other. It's this way. <laughs> yep. If you don't want to keep seeing this sad stuff, you can't keep buying tickets to see these movies. And look, I'll be a little oversimplifying here. If you're someone who thinks that cancel culture can be a positive thing, that it has value, for once, turn it towards something that actually needs to be canceled, which are these gigantic things that run our lives literally. Cancel them. Don't cancel individual people. Cancel the organizations that are destroying the thing that we love. Don't worry about what Paul Schrader is 
sane or not sane. Pull <laughs> your subscriptions. Uh, buy physical media. Yep. Learn how to torrent. <laughs> and there you go. And now you've done. And now, like Brie Larson, you've done an activism. <laughs> the end. Goodbye, everyone.